On this week's episode of Bungalow or the Bus, we're in downtown Orlando with my special co-host, Mike Donahue. Hi. Hey, Goo. This is Bungalow and the Bus, and I'm Brendan O'Connor, the editor-in-chief of Bungalower.com, and with me today is my friend and co-worker, Mike Donahue. I'm here. Hey, Mike. Second time. Second time. Co-host. Yeah, I like it. Co-hosting. We don't need John ever no. again. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's slowly trying to work you in here, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to shoehorn you in so he can just do uh, Moses DeWitt stuff and forget about it. I'm wearing roller skates, so no one will know the difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know uh, what Bungalow or the Bus is, we talk about the Orlando's top headlines and uh, the Bungalow neighborhoods. And every week we record in a different spot. And this week we're in downtown Orlando, the Central Business District. We're at the uh, Game Room Social Club, which is in the previous Finn Henry space. And you'd never know it, eh, Mike? No, you'd have no idea. L- like, they really, it's so cute. These benches are gorgeous. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, I haven't been here yet, but it's lighting up, lighting up the uh, Instagram verse, I guess, if that's a thing. Yeah. They, uh, the drinks are really nice. The decor is unbelievable. You've been following it on the gram. They yeah. just brought over a really pretty looking drink that has a strawberry on it. Oh. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like it's like a game sports themed uh, little social pub with fancy cocktails. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's like uh, rows and rows of TVs. I think this is what I thought Parlay was going to be. Oh, but Parlay is like on cocaine. It's like the Chuck E. Cheese version. It's the Chuck E. Cheese version of this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heard here by uh, Mike Donahue, not me. Uh, Mike, Mike, how was your week so far? What have you been doing? Uh, good. Uh, you know, um, I don't know. What have I been doing? <laughs> Probably me on the Baldur's spot Gate. Oh, yeah. Should we talk about that? Should we talk Probably. about it just up front and just get it out of the way? Yeah. Lost a lot of real labor hours yeah. to my fictional D&D character playing Baldur's I came back Gate. from my vacation, and now I'm just uh, in love with being a dragonborn druid and having sex with vampires yeah. on your video game. I just saw Digital Vampire Pecker. I don't know if I can say that on the air, but I just did. We'll see what happens. If we don't have a show next week, it's because of that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just crazy. Just doing that kind of stuff. I was at a poker tournament, which did we did pretty good. You came to that last year. I did. Who won this year? Uh, John Bostecker won oh, again. Second time. Second time. Two back-to-back titles. Well, very, very excited for John. Uh, congratulations, John, for winning. Uh, I stayed in until like... I stayed, I got past the midway mark. Okay. And then they, they up the blinds to something crazy, and then, like, you're out. If you don't have a whole bunch of, of coins by then, you're out, generally. They kept giving me free drinks last year, so I don't remember. Is that better than you did <laughs> last year? Um, about the same. I, I knocked out... I feel like I knocked out Sam Maxwell. Sam, uh, Scott. Scott Maxwell. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Scott Maxwell last year, but I know I for sure knocked out an astronaut. Oh. Uh-huh. And okay. then this year, I knocked out a lawyer. All right. I can't remember his name, but he wasn't happy about it. That's and uh, tombstone material. I definitely called out his bluff too. Like oh, I nice. knew he was. Bl- I knew he was coming in hard. Yeah. I was like, "No, this is it. I'm, get- I'm getting rid of you." And I did. So I-, I set an intention and I followed up. Did you go as Brendan? I I went as Brenda. Oh, okay, Brenda from Bithlow, my alter ego. Uh, she was crazy. 
She, uh, you know, I was threatened by a conservative, which which means I'm doing something right. <laughs> right. <laughs> he did not want to kiss on his bald head. I was told I'd end up bloody, and I was like, heard. I'm putting you down story. on my list. <laughs> yeah, it was actually a, uh, a a fellow radio host, and I'm I'm not going to call him out here because that'll definitely get me canceled. So <laughs> let's just keep going. Sorry, I shouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> okay, do you want to talk news mm-hmm. here on Bungalow with the Bus? We're always talking about the news. I I think one of the biggest stories of the week was. Uh, the shuttle crash downtown. Yeah, absolutely. Should yeah. I start with this? Yeah. I love this story Dude, like, get into so it. much. Get into yeah. it. Should I contextualize it first? I don't know what the normal order yeah, of operation is. that makes is. sense. Okay, so it was Tuesday, uh-huh. uh, two days after they launched an autonomous shuttle service that ran from Link Central Station to Create a Village. Right. And it's It's like a little s- circulator. And it's called the Swan. Do you know what it means? No. Shuttling with anonymous navigation. Okay, so that's so they something made that, that came fit. up after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do know it's the same. It's beep, right? It's the same autonomous vehicles that are in Lake Nona. Lake Nona, yeah. Except you know when they first. Can I jump in? Is that okay? I'm, I'm breaking How up your story. You, you yeah. keep contextualizing. No, I can hold. I can hold my host. comments. I'm filling in. No, your co-host. Okay, go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting used to it. This Growing is our first pains. time. Yeah. Um, I think. You know, for for Beep to be in Lake Nona, it makes sense because mm-hmm. it's 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 literally like suburbs with this little hub of activity, so they don't really have to interact with much. You know, versus the downtown Orlando area, Creative Village, they're crossing underneath the interstate. They are using these bus rapid transit lanes, which are those designated bus lanes that go through downtown uh, to maybe make us feel a little bit safer but i'm a little i was already a little bit iffy about it it's for sure gonna just turn into a mobile toilet or at least a hot box for late night sex oh you know it, it ends at 10 but i was gonna say that because there's uh they run them in san francisco too okay and people hook up in them yeah yeah right there's nobody and, around and it's funny i think like something about uh, it's like cr- there's a statistic i saw that was like Crime is 90% about opportunity. Yeah. So if you're in a vehicle where there's basically no consequences for you to do whatever you want, people are going to do whatever <laughs> they want. I feel it. Yeah. Like I'm at least going to hotbox it with my, well. with my fancy new vibrator slash uh, vape pen that was given to me by uh, Fairville Megastore. Thanks to Fairville Megastore. I, I, I hosted there. Uh, back to school event last week because <laughs> they have a Fairville University where they teach people about oh, okay. sexual intercourse in your bodies, and uh, and they give us gifts all the time for bingo. So I had to go host. Yeah, I, I just I think that's just got to happen. Anyway, <laughs> tangent side quest there. What what you were you're giving yeah. us context? So, so the beep is is autonomously running through downtown Orlando. Then what? So then it, it runs from... The Sorry, sounded like Brenda all of a sudden. <laughs> now. I, is it, by the way, is it breaking kayfabe to suggest that you and Brenda are the same person? I no, didn't mean to ask. No, okay. No, all right, good. I do all the time. Okay. There's um, no illusion. Okay. <laughs> There's no illusion to shatter here. So, yeah. So it runs from Creative Village, uh, or to Creative Village from Link Central Station. Uh it, it had been in operation for two days before what could either be described as a vengeful Lynx bus driver taking out the competition 
or a poorly programmed autonomous vehicle moving when it shouldn't have, but there was a fender bender out front of Lincoln. It's definitely drawn a line because, like, we we were the first people to report it. We had a video uh, that somebody sent of driving by it, and then we found the video. Uh, You can't drink coffee. We need a picture for the for the gram there uh, of our strawberry deliciousness. (laughs) And uh, what were we saying? Uh, so the video. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like that dress that was like people were like, is it white or is it blue? Yeah, I feel like that's what's happening with this video of the of the bus because someone I actually know was on the autonomous vehicle when it collided with the Lynx bus, and uh, and according to that video, it looks to me like uh, the Lynx driver was tired of being stuck behind the beep went around it and cut it off but the beep didn't like react in time so it just rear-ended it and like basically took its front bumper off okay so i've analyzed it like uh-huh. kevin costner does this <laughs> zapruder film and i think there's a <laughs> like five people <laughs> like, keep going, keep there's going. like a third i think there's a third party here and in the footage from inside the swan there's uh-huh. a woman who is apparently a driver who activates the Swan autonomous vehicle? Yeah. She messed up while the Lynx bus is merging into Got the it. lane because she had her back to the bus. She didn't know that the bus was merging. Sure, and and she hit a button, and then she goes, "Oh, oops!" Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then looks around at the camera to see if it was filming, which oh, makes me think it's her fault. Collusion. But does that mean it's not an autonomous vehicle? I think you just have to. There's probably safety precautions to make sure that you know someone isn't one foot in, one foot out, or something like that, that before the vehicle. But starts that moving. doesn't make it. So if they have an attendant, then it's non-autonomous. It's guided. I didn't know it was an attendant. I thought she just had some kind of button to say. Well, we're I, ready. you know, Scotty Campbell, my gay boyfriend, he, he used to work for like a transportation company, and they're all talking about it. He's on some big, massive transportation nerd text thread yeah where they're all laying in sounds awesome and yeah it sounds not <laughs> awesome uh, and they and I, apparently she's an attendant so oh, okay i i don't know what to think about the so whole then it's thing. definitely not autonomous yeah so uh, now i need to know more about that yeah right because the beep ones it's really in Lake a Nona are autonomous right it is it's a ventriloquist dummy yeah of the, yeah is it a Pinocchio dancing on stage, or is it the stupid marionettes that was that were dancing with them? It's up to you to decide. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what we need to know in our hard-hitting upcoming AI masterpiece theater piece that's going to be coming out all about this accident. Yeah. Yeah. We Do you think there should be more of them downtown? No, I don't. So I'm, I'm with a lot of... First of all, so... When I was on with John, there we had kind of a side conversation about the hot dogs that had to do with encroaching futurism Wait, on stop. downtown. What? There's a lot to unpack the here. The Primrose Lanes hot dog. So the fifteen dollar hot dog yeah. at Primrose Lanes. Okay, continue. So the and then the encroaching futurism on downtown and like development of what people like. People like the old Orlando uh-huh. and they're seeing these new things coming in. Got it. So a lot of people are upset about the autonomous shuttle. Uh-huh. I get the argument because, for one, it's not a good uh, stopgap for making cities that aren't pedestrian safe, aren't transportation safe. And just because, just because there is a safer way to travel to create a village without riding a bike or walking 
doesn't mean it's. I don't think necessary. it's safer either. Well, it's not safer as it's demonstrated. And why not? There, there's some. I was just Monocle is one of my favorite magazines ever, and they had a piece in a previous issue about uh, the importance of like good design, right. In reinvigorating people to use transit, and they launched these or relaunched these really cool trolleys in this Japanese city. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but they're beautiful, very high design. Like you feel like you're in a Pinterest or like uh, uh, who's the movie guy that everybody talks about? Um, uh, uh, Tannenbaum's. Oh, Wes Anderson. It's like a very Wes Anderson designed bus. Okay. You know, like it's easy to use. It looks gorgeous. It's clean. Uh, there's a little bit of a nod to like retroness. And like, and the people are using it all the time. It's always packed. So, like, why not invest those funds into making a bus people actually want to ride on, versus or like a cute little trolley? Uh, and then you have people like we have people downtown. We've invested in a whole fleet of people who wear fluorescent shirts to interact with people and tell them where to go downtown. Why would you want to take that away from transit? Because now there's nobody for anyone to interact with. If you get a tourist or someone on that bus, they don't know who to talk to. They're just going to get let out somewhere. Yeah. Well, it's a good point, too, because the Swan doesn't solve any problems. The limo, yeah, what's the limo the problem already ran to Central in the same or to spot. Creative Village to the exact same spot. So I don't know what problem it's solving. And they just invested big bucks in these new electric limo buses. So, like, they... I don't understand. Like, we have a whole fleet yeah. of electric limo buses. Now they're competing with these autonomous vehicles. I get we, we're on some sort of list federally as, like, an autonomous vehicle testing city, city right. right? Is that what trial city? I don't, probably. I know what you're talking about because I, I was just in Phoenix and they yeah. have them there. There's, so it's part of this, like, future-ready Orlando flex. Right. Uh, boring. I don't. I doesn't do anything. And you were very smart to say it. It doesn't solve a problem. It doesn't. Yeah. And it, if you're using public funds, it should be to like address something well, to so, fill a gap. Yeah. So far, it's only created problems. Yeah. And it's only been a week. <laughs> two, days. two days. Two days in, and it yeah. got a little bumper finger right. thing. Uh, hey, we got to move on. Uh, Visit Orlando's magical dining has has begun. Uh, it's it's going to go through October first, which seems very long to me. And a hundred. 32 yeah of the best restaurants three course uh fixed menus you can that's three courses for either 40 or 60 dollars depending on like all the things you want and uh there's 22 of them there's 22 new restaurants that weren't a part of it previously and i went to one of them you did yeah they invited us out for uh north italia north italia over on i drive okay it was good. It was and great. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it was awesome. All right. We'll check that out. There's also a local option called Sip and Savor. We're uh, proud sponsors of that Main Street initiative. Go check that out. And uh, we got to take a break, Mike, already. Oh, wow. We have an interview with uh, someone from the History Center about a really fun series that they're doing there. Let's hear all about it. Awesome. Welcome to a bonus episode of Bungalower and the Bus. This is Brendan O'Connor from Bungalower.com. And with me today is my new friend, Jeremy Heilman from Orange County Regional History Center. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm great, man. 
I'm excited to talk to you. I want to pick your brain. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, what is your role with the History Center, Jeremy? So I am the assistant curator of the collections department. Ooh. So the collections department is basically where all the stuff is, all the artifacts, the archives, photos, oral histories, all that kind of thing. I, so. uh, I used to go heckle the other curators prior to you. Yeah, Melissa. Yeah. I know you were very close. Melissa's the coolest. So. Love Melissa. Yeah. I used to, used to say, hey, pull out some boxes of postcards and stuff, and I want to go through them. Yeah, all those like weird Valentine's Day yeah. ones and stuff. Yeah, I want to read some are, sexy nice. messages from people. Yep. Uh, they don't make postcards the way they used to, apparently. <laughs> they don't! Yeah. Uh, but they also don't do uh, concert posters the way they used that to. That is true, yeah. And, and you guys have an exhibit right now. What's it called? Yeah, it's called Figurehead Music and Mayhem and Orlando's Underground. Okay, and it's based off of what is Figurehead? What's yeah, that so Figurehead uh, is a local concert promoter, um, kind of headed up by a gentleman named Jim Faraday. Um, so in a lot of ways, he is kind of the figurehead. Uh, a lot of people contributed to it, but basically um, throughout the 80s and 90s and into the early 2000s, uh, he put on a quite a few shows here locally he's also a co-owner of the sapphire supper club which is now the social and was just really really uh kind of in the music scene in a lot of ways and is credited you know there are a lot of kind different like people grandfather yeah of the local indie music scene yeah the whole sort of you know explosion of alternative music and you know alternative rock music kind of coincided with what figurehead was doing and i think a lot of you know what uh came to town and what the sort of development of the local scene at the time a lot of that can be um you know credited to figurehead and jim's work in a lot of ways he, uh, you know, he's kind of infamous in town because he's had his fingers in a lot of musical pies. So, so what? W- how did this come up? You guys were interviewing for another, another story. Was it like a a, a storytelling? Uh, workshop that you were doing with no, him, like an oral so, storytelling? So basically we wanted to interview Jim. Um, kind of the origins of this was uh, related to one of our Pulse Remembrance exhibits because Jim used to own um, a nightclub called Dante's, which was in the same building that later became Pulse Nightclub. So okay. I was sort of aware of who Jim was uh, in terms of just because I'm a big music fan and I knew that he was tied to the scene in a lot of ways. So I reached out to him in hopes of learning a little bit more about the the pulse building because in that particular exhibit that we were doing we really wanted to learn about you know all the different things that were in that building prior to that specific club smart and so we you know i connected with jim and he came in and we did an oral history with him and from that very first day he brought some things to kind of just show us of like you know some flyers some old punk rock He's a flyers show and, and tell stuff. kind of guy yeah so really it just kind of led to a relationship with him and over time um you know he was sort of interested in donating some items to our collection he ended up donating 600 concert posters and uh his entire discography of figurehead records a lot of contracts and documents and photos and different things so that was a huge get for us as far as the collection just because so much of that you know i mean of course we had some music things in our collection but i think like that was an entire era that was kind of under or 
completely unrepresented in and a our pretty robust collection. thorough collection right like it was it was enough to launch uh, a whole exhibition which yeah. is currently on display it's been on display for what a year now yeah almost a year so we're coming up on a whole year and our uh figurehead encore weekend is sort of celebrating that that one year mark but yeah the idea really was was born from just the you know all the visual elements of those concert posters but being that we're a history museum you know it wasn't just as simple as we're gonna slap some posters up on the wall we really wanted to kind of dive into the history so we were able to interview a lot of the people kind of involved in the scene both on a local basis and some of the more prominent names that have kind of come out of that scene. can you name drop for me right now yeah Who, so we I, were we just did the tour we i yeah. just did it for the first time which is i'm mad at myself for having not gone uh you know again we're, we're approaching a year anniversary we'll get into what that uh weekend yeah figure your head encore bit. weekend but but as you're walking through it there, there are some big names in the wall that were kind of here and documented early on in their careers like yeah. rob thomas right rob thomas was generous enough to grant us an interview as was henry rollins uh jason ross from seven mary three another big name that came through um robert pollard from guided by voices uh you know the name jonathan richmond who is a real you know icon of sort of alternative and sort of proto-punk music um a lot of great people the official attorney of bungalore and the bus mo dewitt is doing it again the just call mo comedy jam returns to tuppy's music box in sanford on friday september 15th this year's lineup includes Ross Paget, Sabrina Ambra, Kevin Dean, Amy LaCours, and Captain Wright. Tickets start at $15. All proceeds will benefit the Yellow Brick Road Foundation. Get your tickets today at MoComedyJam.com. Hey man, are you looking for a place that's not your laundry room or your kitchen table to do some work? Gotta get away from the kids? Credo Conduit is the co-working space you've been waiting for. You'll be surrounded by other creatives, entrepreneurs, coffee roasters, journalists, and nonprofit leaders who will help you celebrate your wins and help you with your needs to thrive and pursue a life of greater meaning, impact, and community. Go to CredoConduit.com today to book a tour. It's time for your weekly Enzian update. Enzian is Central Florida's only full-time alternative cinema and home to the Florida Film Festival. Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer is in its final week at Enzian, so get in there quick, y'all, to catch that adaptation of the Pulitzer Prize-winning book, American Prometheus. Starting this week is Bottoms, a fun comedy about two girls who start a fight club as a way to lose their virginity to some cheerleaders. Teenagers are just the worst. A special screening of Pee-wee's Big Adventure will air on Friday, August 25th at midnight. And National Theater Live's Best of Enemies, starring David Harewood from Homeland, and Star Trek's Zachary Quinto will screen on September 2nd. For more information, head to enzian.org today. Blah, blah, blah. Movies.
Welcome back to another episode of Bungalower and the Bus. And tonight we are hanging out in the Central Business District in downtown Orlando. And uh, John's out. John's on a trip. I'm hanging out with Mike Donahue from Bungalower.com also. I'm here. Second time on the show. What's your, what's your full job title, Mike, so people <laughs> know what you do? I'm glad you asked because Sean made a point of getting it right last time. Oh, did he? Strategic Partnership Director. I love it. Bungalower Media. I love it, which means you handle promo requests. You look after our buddy membership program. You're doing some writing, Mm -hmm. some video production. It's really anything you want to do because I want to keep you for as long (laughs) as possible. This is your way of guilting me into (laughs) a long-term contract. (laughs) Say right now to everyone (laughs) listening how much longer you'd like to stay with Bungalower Media. Media, until we can't afford you anymore. Uh, we're hanging out at the Game Room Social Club, which is uh, the old, I messed it up before, Lizzie's. McGuire's. McGuire's. <laughs> McCormick's. And I said before Finn Henry's. It's yeah. not Finn Henry's. Finn Henry's was turned into Parlay. Right? Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, this is uh, the old Lizzie's, which last time I was here, there was a concert out back. They had like a weird thing in the back. When it was Game Room or when before? Prior to oh, Game okay. Room, yeah. But now it's kind of like this sports-themed little social club, and uh, it's cute, man. It's uh, nice. The bartenders are great. We, we've been sampling the cocktails. What have we had so far? There was a... Mexican Space Program. Which is a take on a paper airplane, mm-hmm. which is a type of cocktail, <laughs> which is so funny to me. <laughs> there is one we used... They steeped the booze... Was it gin? In strawberries? The Aperol Spritz. Aperol Spritz with yeah. like that, and the Aperol was soaked in the strawberries. That was delicious. Was really good. And then there was a blueberry lemon thing that that liquor was steeped in the blueberries. That was my favorite. Maybe I don't know. It's all delicious. That's, I've liked everything really so good. far. Yeah, and uh, yeah, come on by. Come on by and check it out. It's the same owners as Sly Fox, and the people, the investors are in on the Parliament House project just up the street and we got a little bit of an update there uh from the management saying that it was it was held up obviously (laughs) it's been held up for a hot minute and do you remember what he said about why it was held up mike it was so i think it has to do with the new bar ordinances if i understand well okay i don't think that's all this might be mixing a a little bit but there's new ordinances in place as of a month ago or whatever or two well, months the, ago so if you don't have a late there's a moratorium on new nightclubs and so their permit their original building permit kind of ran out right. uh, because of inaction they weren't doing anything and so because of that it made it even more difficult for them to continue on because now they've uh, without the permit you can't get a new permit to do a bar downtown, but they have been grandfathered in, kind of. They've been allowed to squeak back in, and apparently it's still moving forward. I don't. I heard rumors of, of a money issue. I, you know, none of it's been corroborated, and we're still waiting to hear uh, what the final word is. But hopefully, uh, they're going to be doing something, man. It is interesting, too, and I, I guess we forgot to ask them about it, but with Saks moving over to Church Street, I don't yeah. know if that has anything to do with it either. Well, I heard rumors that they wanted to do something on the roof, too. So with SAC moving out, uh, they're going to be able to just gut. The, it's a two-story building right. right at Pine and Orange Avenue in the heart of downtown. Old City uh, what sorry old old city arts old city arts building yeah and i heard they even want to do something on the roof so okay. they they could have three stories of of 
gayness. Gayness, I was going to say, yeah. Gay <laughs> Fantasia. Just gay Fantasia. No hotel rooms for people to play balcony bingo. If you don't know what that is, I'll tell you later. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the uh, recent shuttle crash with the anon- anonymous, the uh, um, autonomous vehicle. Uh, we talked about magical dining, but now let's since it's right up the street from here, there's a scaffolding hullabaloo that's been kind of uh, clogging up the arteries of downtown for the past two and a half weeks. Yeah, uh, Crest has been closed. Someone reached out to us. Yeah, they're uh, they're really they they think they're going to be able to reopen this weekend. Right, but and, it's three weeks now. Is that what it is? I that think Crest it's, has been it's closed? almost been three weeks. Yeah, which is crazy. It is crazy. So there's scaffolding on this building right at the intersection of Church and Orange Avenue. They had scaffolding up on the outside because they were just redoing the facade a bit. They were updating it, making it look nice. Right, Mike? And then uh, something happened. Something, some, some shenanigans occurred, <laughs> and the scaffolding kind of semi-collapsed. It's a like technical it, term. <laughs> <laughs> some shenanigans. I don't know, math. <laughs> and then it, so it kind of like bulbed out and towards the middle. Yep. And uh, it it's broke a couple windows. It was kind of free waving in the wind, and, and it's really damaged the exterior of the building. And they so they had to take it down. But they <laughs> to take it down, it's been this painstaking process where they're literally taking it apart bar by bar through the windows of the building. Right. Uh, and then eventually they just kind of gave up yesterday. And just knocked it down. And it was this big, giant mess. And now they have these crane machines coming in and clamping them up and throwing them into dumpster trucks and hauling them away. But it's just been a big cluster cuss. And it's just taken a long time. And all of the businesses around it have been forced to close. Which is crazy. And I you know, I, I assume at some point they're going to have to reimburse oh, the businesses. Big old lawsuit. But in the meantime... Big old lawsuit, like, for sure. Like, we had someone... From Crest, reach out to us. Uh huh. Who Crest Chop House? Who would not be a beneficiary of whatever the lawsuit is? It would. In the meantime, they're three weeks out of three work. Three weeks out of work, and, and their staff. If you're paying rent or something, that means nothing to you. If two years from now you get five. These downtown storefronts are not cheap. Right. They're you know they could be anywhere from five to ten to fifteen grand. Yeah. A month, you know, to be renting those spots, and if you don't have any income coming in, it's, yeah, it's got to be brutal for front of house workers. Yeah, so big bomber. I hope they f- they figure it out uh, as soon as you see some of these businesses reopen. You know, go down with a pocket full of cash and see and just support them. Sure. I said that on Instagram, and people were like, "It's not our responsibility to reimburse them." No, but I, it's your pleasure, right? Yeah, you know? I don't. I don't think anyone's arguing it that you have to subsidize it. Yeah, but these people. Some thought I was saying that. It's, yeah, I know. I, I got. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't. Why do people got to trifle with me like that? Uh, Napa Soren Thai Restaurant uh, was the first uh, business to lose their late night bar permit. We were, we kind of touched on these late night bar permits. Yeah. So I didn't mention this to you earlier. We should start handing out plaques for this. I think because it is really funny oh, to like be a- like the first first person to break the <laughs> to break the rule. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Do you want to? I, I Let's do it really like funny. a little yeah. certificate. They can yeah. frame it. And <laughs> yeah. put it. We'll frame it. We'll put it on a wall. Uh, Thai restaurant, yeah, been around forever on Excellent. Pine Street. Yeah, love uh, it. They, for some reason, they don't really do their own late night events, but they were working with a party promoter who was hosting their own events in the right. space, and and 
I guess they failed one inspection by not having a wand there to, uh, you know, metal detect people as they came in the business, which is one of the regulations. If you requirement, yeah, if if you're if you have a late night bar permit, you got to be wanding people. You also have to be taking count of of how many people are coming in your business. They were not doing that, and they actually didn't even have a security guard on the door because they got held up. So they were open without a security guard. So there was three things, three infractions, and I guess it happened twice. And on the second time they came back and it, and it was all bad again, they slapped their hand. And so they pulled it, I guess, for a month. Is that what it is? They yeah. They can't be open late for a month? Yeah. And I think they have to reapply okay. to, for, to get the permit. It's one of those things, and I don't know if they came at it from this perspective, but if the only punishment is they can't do it for a month, then I don't know. Wouldn't you say if you're Napa Soren, And reapply. You, right. But if you're Napa Soren and you weren't... You're, your main business is open during the day and you were just letting someone else use I'm it. I'm sure Napa's are not going to reapply right. or they're going to make the party promoter pay for that permit process. There's some hard peas in there. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> when you say they probably came out ahead, if that's the, if that's the only punishment and I don't, and to be clear, yeah. I, I'm not, sh- I'm not really on board with the, well, but like a bar like this, like the social club that were in game room, if they were not allowed to stay open past midnight, I'm sure that would negatively impact their bottom line because they're the ones pocketing that cash. So they, you sell a lot of liquor after midnight. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's unfair to the other businesses who are paying out of pocket, which also is not fair, but that's a yeah. different conversation. But they're paying out of pocket to have these security services and they're following the rules. And, you know. Why do they got? Right. Yeah. Yes. And some of them, the bigger ones, Beecham, Social, they're, they're having to pay for private security, right. you know, which is $90 an hour. Yeah. Did I get that right? Ninety dollars an hour Sounds for right. private for a private police officer to come I'd and do hang it out. for half that. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, I just got caught making a face at somebody. I saw that. I think he saw it too. Good for the radio. Hey, uh, Orange County Convention Center. It says an expansion is much needed in order to you know help float Central Florida through this financial crisis, and they're saying it's going to cost only nine hundred million dollars. And uh, Mayor Demings is suggesting that we uh, help fund it with $500 million from the tourist tax development dollars and maybe even borrow against it, you know, and, and, and get some better rates. What do you th- Have you been following this, Mike? Yes, I have. Thank you for baiting the hook because <laughs> you know that I have. So I, I think first and foremost, it's important to understand that taking loans out against future revenue is something they do all the time. Okay. it's uh, They did it... They being the county? The county has done it on several occasions, dating back to when they first did the major expansion. It's like a payday loan. To the convention center. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and then you're paying higher returns on... You're, you're paying interest on it, yeah, for sure. higher interest. Sorry. Not not predatory payday loan interest rates, but you're still paying interest against future things. Uh-huh. I think the fiscal idea behind it is the revenue that you make in the meantime would more than make up for... The, the interest payments that you have to... Okay. So you think it's to. a good idea? No, I don't. Okay. Why? <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Lay it out. Okay. So for one, the convention center has been kind of a hot button issue, maybe forever, but certainly in this latest fiscal year go around with the tourist development tax conversation, because a lot of people want to use that money for things other than Orlando Ballet or Dr. Phillips, or Orange County Cultural Affairs, or Convention Center, or Camping World Stadium. 
or visit Florida, which is a uh-huh. whole other thing, which is where most of that money goes to. They want to do better transportation, maybe not have swan <laughs> autonomous <laughs> vehicles and more reliable transportation or affordable housing is the big one. Yeah. So $900 million. That's a big impact. Is an incredible amount of money that could be applied somewhere else. However, I'm not naive enough to think that it's important to and continue to improve upon the hospitality and tourism industry, which I think makes up like 43% of the um, workforce is uh, <laughs> residents of Orange County. Yeah. I said that backwards. Which is a low, it's a low income job sector, right? That's a big problem that uh-huh. I have with it. So th- during this whole discussion, they've had people from tourism and hospitality come before Orange County commissioners and say, please approve this funding. It's good for my family. It's good for my business. It helps grow these hotels. Um, our friend Jordan Eichenblatt was to, on there to talking approve the about convention it. center to, to approve a lot of the funding, okay. including Camping World, including the convention center. Got it. The, yeah, I, Jordan Eichenblatt from Cholo Dogs and High Five. He, we know him. He was there at uh, the recent meeting asking for Amway and for, Camping World funds. And to a point, it makes sense because he has a hot dog cart there. Right. Yeah. So to a point, it makes sense. I think people need to be more thoughtful about how we're subsidizing the tourism industry yeah i um, agree with public money uh-huh and i don't think 900 dollars. it's it's it, to me it seems like a ponzi scheme because all they're really doing is competing with the las vegas convention center to drive some more point, traffic you're here. like uh, like is it the conventions like well, we have some other i don't know at the end of the day, too, like if you look at where the money's gone, it went to b- paying for the uh, Orlando Ballet to have a big fancy building. Is that a good use for tourist tax development dollars? Right. Or, uh, you know, Manello's in the line to get some cash. The Plaza Live got, what, uh, $7 million Right. For their renovations. Um, it's just interesting to see who's getting the cash. Uh well, and then you look at where this is going to go. It's not just the convention center, no. though. Campy World wants, oh, man, I think they're going to get $400 million for Campy World Stadium to put a roof to put a on roof it. over it, yeah. But, like, that's a fancy hat. It's a lot. That's and it's also, hat. you know. Is that really why Beyonce doesn't come here? And that's the thing. And that's the other problem I have with it is there's a lot of these, like, economic reports. Like, they just got the Pro Bowl. Every time they get the Pro Bowl, yeah. it's. They throw out this number, like, a billion dollars in economic impact. And it's like, Prove it. where's that money going? Yeah. Because the people at Paramore aren't getting a billion no. dollars every time the Pro Bowl comes. Or when uh, Electric Daisy Carnival comes to Paramore. Right. You know, I know what they're getting. They're getting rattling windows and no sleep for three days, yeah. people who live there. If try to do that in College Park and see what happens. Yeah. So you're going to happen. You're going to have to push me off this issue if you want to keep okay, going. Okay, let's keep going. Like, all right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a feud right now between I-4 developers. There's two companies, two road construction contractors who built the I-4 uh, for the Florida Department of, Com- of Transportation. And I can't remember what their names are, but they, uh, they're suing each other in federal court for cost overruns. For the seven-year project, and it cost $2.3 billion to do this project, and uh, it went at least $125 million over budget. We're still waiting to find out how much over budget it went. We don't know. I don't know how long it takes to count receipts, but why weren't they doing it while they were 
making the road. Right. And uh, and the construction was 14 months over the agreed completion date. So these guys were way under way under bid on what they needed to get the job done. Now they're suing each other. And I think the big issue with them suing each other, Mike, is that these two are supposed to be working together because they are also in charge of taking care of maintenance for the I-4 Whoa. corridor that they just built. And if they don't have any money... How are they going to be able to... They're not going to be footing the bill to replace all those trees that died because they didn't look after them. I'll tell you that. That's why we're still looking on all these dead trees along the interstate because that's not accounted for in their new budget. It's an encouraging thing to say after the that fire that <laughs> the smoke that came up under i I'll tell the you day. what. There was, that, there was a car fire that happened under the exchange. It goes from the 408 north northbound i4 no eastbound i4 like right in downtown orlando and a car caught fire underneath the in the exchange and then fdot says they sent out a crew and found out it's fine everything's okay business as usual but that was the same week that something happened in philadelphia where a transport caught fire and the whole thing collapsed because it was underneath so like cars burn hot man (laughs) they burn hot and now what i'm hearing are these these companies saying uh these in government people saying oh no everything's fine you know because there's no money allotted to pay for anything if there was something wrong right it's a weird financial boondoggle. not to scare everybody no yeah right the the, the roads drink, that everyone drink has because he said boondoggle that's <laughs> worth a drink the roads that everyone has to drive to get to work yeah. every day um <laughs> No, I mean, we. I, I've been watching the county commission meetings. They're now in, like, a fourth phase of I-4 Beyond, which I think is, like, I'm not even joking. I think it's called I-4 Next Generation or oh something gosh. like that. Next Generation, Next <laughs> Generation. Isn't that, who is that? Spice Girls. That's a Spice Girls song. Let's do it. We're going to do a Spice Girls remix of the I-4 Ultimate. They used to get mad. We got an email. I'll have to show it to you. I I made a a graphic every time I wrote about the I-4 Ultimate, and it was like a Superman, basically. He's ripping his shirt open, and then it says I-4 Ultimate on his (laughs) chest, like a Superman symbol. And and they sent me an email saying, we can send you graphics to use. No, we're good. And I was like, oh, I got this. Yeah, no, don't even worry about it. Yeah, just like Winter Park. They they get mad because I use GIFs all the time. about their very serious uh, news stories, and I'll always do something kind of tongue-in-cheek every time I write about Winter Park, and they always get real mad about it. <laughs> I think at this point, they're just like, oh, Brendan, what's he going to choose for this yeah, story? Next? They did that public art uh, th- like through the I-4. There was money. Since it's a big federal project, 10% of the budget has to go towards public art. Okay. 10% or 1%? 1%. 1%. Um, and that 1%... <laughs> For, they give the money to some of the municipalities along the corridor to build some sort of installation. Okay. And for Winter Park, they did, the, it looks like pickup sticks, rainbow, rainbow pickup sticks. <laughs> off of, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. They go, as you go on the on-ramp, I made a graphic of a giant Godzilla sculpture mm-hmm. next to their lit, so it looked like Godzilla was going to step on it. And I was like, this is what we need. This is what Winter Park needs to be taken seriously on the I-4 corridor. I was going to say, if someone assigned me the, if someone commissioned me to do a Winter Park mural for I-4, it would be an older woman with a scowl knowing that I don't belong on Park Avenue late at night. Gay boyfriend Scotty told me once he was on Park Avenue because he went to Rollins, and he worked at Rollins, and and he saw a homeless person, 
And this older couple walked right up to the homeless person and, and said, ate him. You don't belong here. Oh, nice. You don't belong here. Move on. And he left. And that's why they don't have homeless people in downtown Winter Park. <laughs> because that one instance. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's, they keep going That's what them. we've been doing wrong this whole time downtown. You just got to tell them. You just got to tell You just got to tell them. You don't belong here. Yeah. You'll get shanked if you do that in downtown Orlando. <laughs> uh, the mayor's office is looking for feedback on their under eye project, uh, which is great because they've only been working on it for about six years as long as i've been alive right yeah. so it's this project that they, they took away parking lots underneath the i4 there was 900 parking spaces they got rid of them all uh they wanted to make it into an urban park to better connect the downtown orlando to paramore and uh and then recently they made an announcement actually through us we broke the news mm-hmm. that they would be adding 500 of those parking spots back but there would also be some sort of parking park uh you know amenities around the parking lot and uh people flipped you know and so now they're like oh what do we do there's a holding pattern if you have any thoughts there is a survey you can find it on bungalore.com and uh mike we're out of time already that was quick that was it thank you so much to the game room social club for hosting us this week everything was delicious these drinks are bangerang it's quiet and clean drink for bangerang drink for bangerang <laughs> it's quiet and clean and kind of uh, it's nice. It's a nice vibe in here. There's foosball, or ski ski ball, and the tabletop shuffleboard. Which that's I love. what I was trying to say. Tabletop shuffleboard. I, that's probably not the official name. But. And that's it. Thanks, Mike, for filling in for John. Thank you.